Welcome to Inclusion Matters, a podcast about children's development from the Center for Inclusive Childcare. Welcome to Inclusion Matters, a podcast from the Center for Inclusive Child Care. I'm Priscilla Weigel, the Executive Director, and I'm here again today with our partner from Minnesota Child Care Health Consultants, public health nurse Sarah Hawley, who has been working with us on a series of just kind of hot topics in the area of health and safety related to child care settings. And so today we are going to be talking about supporting breastfeeding in child care. And so, Sarah, welcome back. Thanks, Priscilla. Good to be back. It's great. We're going to talk about this issue today, and I guess it's not an issue, but it's a situation that comes up in childcare, especially clearly in infant rooms. And so looking at what you come across in your work as a public health nurse out in the field, how can we help parents and childcare professionals come together and really meet each other as partners on this topic? What are some things that you can share with us today? Yeah. So I think that supporting um, parental choice is huge. First of all, I always like to stay, start off with, um, we're going to talk about breastfeeding today, which is um, great. But with that being said, I want to mention that we do respect all families, you know, regardless of their infant feeding decision. So some mothers do choose not to breastfeed and that's okay. It's an important really mm-hmm. to support their sometimes very personal decision. Um So I just kind of want to start off with that. But today we are going to focus on breastfeeding. Um, And really, if you think about child care providers, helping babies to grow up to be, you know, strong and healthy is really what child care providers are all about um, or a big portion of what they do. So I'm so glad today that we're going to talk about supporting breastfeeding and all of its benefits and really benefits to everyone you know, to the Mm. infant, to the childcare provider, and to the mom. So it's super important that we talk about this today. Great. I'm glad you, I'm glad you started with that because I think that's really important. And I, and as you said, it is a personal choice and it is also something that sometimes um, childcare may feel like, is this something that I should be included in, in this discussion? And so the more information we can have as professionals supporting families, the better off we're going to be at sharing what we know and what we know to be rules and guidelines for this situation as helpful as possible. Right. And childcare providers really do have a very unique role in supporting breastfeeding. And it's really a public health effort, if you think about it. Um, I mean, they can just things like helping to reduce mother's anxiety by welcoming breastfeeding families, providing a staff that's well-trained in the proper handling and feeding of breast milk to infants. Um, And actually, with that being said, some families actually might look specifically for child care providers who are knowledgeable about breastfeeding, Mm. who are supportive of their efforts to do so. So this actually could be used as a marketing tool as well to potential families. So yeah, they, they really have a unique position. And that's that's a really good point and a good reminder for folks. So how many months is it recommended that a baby be exclusively breastfed? Yeah, great question. Um, so first of all, what does that mean? What is an exclusively breastfed yeah. infant? Yeah, um, some people don't know what that means. So that just means they're only giving breast milk. So no formula, no cereal, juice, water, no baby food. Um, Mm -hmm. And the American Academy of Pediatrics recommends that exclusive breastfeeding for the first six months of the infant's life. 
And then they go on to recommend continued breastfeeding for at least 12 months. And really, there's no age limit after 12 months. So American Academy of Pediatrics recommends breastfeeding continue as long, really, as the mother and baby desire, but exclusively for the first six months and then to continuing it for at least 12 months. And then even after 12 months, as long as baby and mom want to do it, um, you know, that's what's recommended. Mm-hmm. So when you're working out with um, child care settings out in the community and in the state, do you come across a lot of sites that are still providing that breast milk support for children older than the infant room? We do. Yep. We do see it in toddler rooms and that is absolutely okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we talk about different supervision things because the children in toddler room might be sitting at a table with seven children. So, you know, we talk about that good supervision, obviously, even with, you know, milk that you wouldn't want a um, another child to get, you know, another child's cup. So we, we kind of focus on that, but absolutely, they can definitely have it beyond um, the infant room. And we, we do see that. Okay. I'm just, I was just curious. So when you think about handling breast milk, one question that comes up is, is it safe to handle this in a childcare setting and what do we need to know? So can you tell us a little bit about procedures and things that should be expected? Yeah, that is a really great question. Um, I'm glad you bring that up because that does come up very often. So express milk is actually not a hazardous bodily fluid that requires extra precautions. So um, guidelines published in the National Health and Safety Performance Standards, so guidelines for early care and education, their third edition, um, they state that although human milk is a bodily fluid, it's not necessary to wear gloves when feeding or handling human milk. So Hmm. unless there's visible blood in the milk, the risk of exposure to infectious organisms, either during feeding or from milk that the infant regurgitates, is not significant. Also, breast milk is not included in OSHA, so the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, which falls under the United States Department of Labor. People always refer to it as OSHA. That might be more of a familiar name. Um, But it's not included in the OSHA standards as being an other potentially infectious material. So therefore, contact with breast milk doesn't constitute an occupational exposure. So universal precautions, they don't apply to express breast milk. So I think a big takeaway from this is that it's super important to promote beliefs grounded in facts and support attitudes as much as it is about policies and procedures. You know, a lot of times people are gloving up and, you know, using these, um, you know, safety precautions, but they do it just because, you know, that's maybe what was done at their last center or that's what they've heard. And just mm-hmm. to know the facts is really important. That's not to say that they they can't wear gloves if, you know, if they prefer to or whatnot. But um, like I said, it's, it's not included um, in the OSHA standards as that other potentially infectious material. And it's not necessary to wear gloves. It just, you know, the, the risk just is not there. So, and that, okay. that comes, that comes from, you know, reputable resources. Yes. And that information I would think would be super helpful for folks who maybe had in the past thought that or heard it or right. seen someone doing that. And so that could in turn then influence how they're welcoming that family. If they think, Oh, this, this could be a problem when really that is not the case at all. It's just, you're welcoming exactly. a family. This is how the child gets their nutrients. And that's what we're going to be providing to this family because they're going to be bringing in that expressed milk. 
Exactly. And that's why the facts based on science are so important to know and then have those in your family handbook, you know, your parent handbook, have those in your policies and procedures and then train your staff just on the actual science so that they're aware. Um, And, you know, it's to no one's fault or anything, but a lot of times things just get passed down from person to person that this is what's done and they don't know. So, but I think that helps to welcome um, breastfeeding more so too than, you know, to everyone to be more of scared of it per se, you know. I agree. I agree. And you kind of touched on this a little bit in the early part of our conversation, but what are some of those benefits that you mentioned? You started to mention a few of them with, uh, by promoting breastfeeding for young children and infants. What, what are the benefits that we see? Oh gosh. Well, how long do you want to talk? (laughs) Um, okay. Where do I start? So breast milk contains over 800 components that help a baby's immune system mature. So it produces antibodies to protect the baby from infection and illness. So it's huge for the immune system. And even if a mom is ill, she can continue to breastfeed the baby. So that way the baby's going to get those antibodies to help either prevent Mm. the illness or even lessen the effects of it. So if you think about it too, like the big picture, that's going to help children in childcare as well as childcare staff to stay healthy. If the baby's, you know, getting that immune system, um, there's been research to show that babies who are breastfed grow up to be, you know, they have less cases of obesity, suffer from less chronic illnesses, you know, like diabetes, asthma. Um, it helps to protect against sudden infant death syndrome, SIDS. So that's really important. Um, breastfed babies may actually be in some ways easier to care for if they don't get sick as often. Um, mm-hmm. They're supposed to be less prone to spinning up less likely to have constipation. Um, Their diapers usually have less odor. So that's always a bonus. (laughs) Um, And then it also, if you just think about the bonding aspect with the mother, so it might help postpartum depression. It promotes bonding um, with mothers just to stay closely bonded, you know, even after they go back to work and they continue breastfeeding. Um, It helps moms too, I should mention, um, protect against things like breast and ovarian cancer. Um, saves money too. you know, formula is super expensive. They say it's like, you know, 1500 bucks a year. And, you know, I can even see those costs possibly rising above that. So there's tons of benefits. We could go on and on, but those are some that just come to mind, you know, right off, Mm -hmm. right off hand. Those are, that's a nice long list. That's for sure. And so when you think about, as you said, being welcoming to that, what are some things that, um, I mean, you mentioned the child care providers and how they benefit. What are some specific ways that child care can be a more breastfeeding friendly setting? How can they alert? I mean, you said it could be used as a marketing tool or just to right. let families know. What are some things that sites can do? Yeah. Well, first of all, I think the the why of this is so important. Like, why do you want to become breastfeeding friendly? Like we just touched on yeah. it. but. You know, moms really need the support, too. Um, If you think about um, moms, you know, they're going back to work and a lot of them just think, well, that's the end of my breastfeeding. So Mm -hmm. um, the stats show that there's 86 percent of moms that desire to breastfeed. Seventy five percent of them start out breastfeeding, Um, but 60 percent don't meet the breastfeeding goals. So. Guess what the big factor of that is of why they're not meeting their goals? Returning to work. Starting child care. Yeah. yeah they're yeah. returning to work. Their child's going to child care. That's a primary reason for ending breastfeeding. So shorter duration, definitely, of breastfeeding if the baby's in child care. So 
just the, we'll get into that, but what does it mean to be breastfeeding friendly? But I just want to reiterate, you know, the, the caregiver who is knowledgeable just about the proper handling, the storage, the feeding of breast milk, um, and of supportive of those breastfeeding efforts just really do make it possible for babies to continue to be breastfed when their mothers return to work. And then they, you know, the baby starts childcare. So, um, the child care providers really provide, you know, just that critical role. So, um, and most moms go back, you know, six weeks, 12 weeks is really common. So, mm-hmm. you know, definitely within the first year of life. Um, but, you know, and, and they usually worry about breastfeeding as well, you know, sure. um, so the child care provider might be the only reassuring um, voice. Um, so the breastfeeding friendly means, um, that um, basically Minnesota Department of Health here in the state of Minnesota, they have a program that recognizes um, child care centers and family child care programs that have taken steps to become breastfeeding friendly. So they have tools out there. Yeah. So, and even if you're not in the state of Minnesota, I know Wisconsin has one, many states have it. So if you're listening to this podcast from a different state, you know, go on your health Mm -hmm. department, they probably have a similar program. And really, even if you're not going to go through the formal program um, to be recognized, there's just a ton of lot of good ideas and information about how to support breastfeeding. But the Minnesota Department of Health does have a specific program. There's 10 steps. Um, and most of them, I would say, are things that many child care providers are already doing. So okay. you might as well complete all the steps and get the recognition. Sure. Um, right. There's an app on the Minnesota Department of Health website. There is an application um, for breastfeeding friendly child care center or family child care um, the applications get renewed or reviewed on a rolling basis. It's valid for three years. Oh. Um, and then, yeah. And then you have to reapply, um, after the designation expires, but childcare providers that satisfy all of the steps to become breastfeeding friendly, they get a certificate to display. They get like window clings that identify their program as breastfeeding friendly. They get posters to hang up of breastfeeding moms and babies, um, and then they also get recognition on the MDH website. So nice. as I said, yeah, there's 10 different steps. So um, this first step is they need to provide professional development. They have to do training on supporting breastfeeding for their staff. Um, they need to have trained their staff on best practices. We recommend, or we, excuse me, we mentioned that. So staff all get informed about the importance of breastfeeding um, and they're expected to follow those best practices for infant feeding. Um, Can I ask a question about that professional development? Are there different options available through that Mm -hmm. link to the steps so that they so people can access good training through that training? um, Yep, they're on Minnesota Center for Professional Development through develop. Um, There are there are trainings and they do list those out. They I think on the Department of um, Health website, they do have the 10 steps. Um, So I just kind of overviewing them as I think of them here. Um, Mm -hmm. and then, you know, staff are expected to follow the guidelines for proper storage and handling of the breast milk. Um, what else they have to do? Um, one of the big things is a lactation room Mm -hmm. and yeah, and that's actually really important. A lot of people don't understand, um, or aren't aware that, you know, some, some employers have made it difficult for moms who want to express milk, want to pump during work days, but, um, there are laws and it's in Minnesota statutes that employer has to provide, you know, reasonable break times each day. 
um, mm-hmm. to an employee who needs to express milk. Um, and it's really supposed to be, you know, in a room or a, a different location, close proximity yep. to their work area. And it's not supposed to be like a bathroom or a toilet stall. No. So, right. you know, somewhere right. private that they can do that with an electrical outlet for the pump. So that mm-hmm. is one, one of the things. And, um, you know, I know programs that we've worked with that have done this and, you know, some of them take an old like storage closet and they, you know, uh-huh. clean it out and put a rocking chair in there. You know, I mentioned like a little table for the breast pump, the electrical outlet. A lot of times it doesn't take much. There's other uh-huh. programs that have sectioned off, like maybe a little corner of the infant room and they've done like a curtain and, you know, sure that sort of thing. So you can really get, um, you can find it, ideas on the internet too. Um, yeah. but just creating that space, you know, just some sort of privacy area, door, curtain, room divider, whatever it is, um, you know, rocking chair would be great. It, it might not take that much. So that is one of the other things to become officially breastfeeding friendly is to, um, set up some sort of, you know, lactation room. Um, okay. yeah. And then you're supposed to have an infant feeding plan, which, you know, in childcare centers, they really need to do that anyway, just as part of their licensing. So that's one of the things I mentioned, some of the stuff you already do. Sure. Um, it's supposed to be culturally appropriate environment. So, um, you know, you can just add a description of how you're going to do that for all the families being served. Sure. Um, age appropriate learning play opportunities. I think one of the things with that is just normalizing it for the children in the program. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's lots of books about like nursing mammals and things like that, that you can share with kids. Um, just kind of sure. normalizing it. Um, one of the steps is to have a lot of resources for families. Um, you know, maybe you've got a list of lactation consultants in, in case they need that or, you know, some different, you know, pamphlets or something. Um, and then written policies. I mentioned that, you know me, I'm always big with my policies. Yes. <laughs> yes. A written policy. You have to have those, you know, just what, just reflecting the program's commitment to supporting breastfeeding and then all of its infant feeding practices. So, you know, you would give that out to the prospective families and then just have it all laid out for the staff. Um, Mm-hmm. You know, and things like how to prepare the milk for families, how to transport it into the center, make sure you've got proper refrigeration and the space to store it, um, how to label it. You know, that's super important with the child's yes. name. Um, you know, all the bottles need to be labeled, but all of that is really important as well and double checking the name. So just having that all written out. And then the last step for, I think that brings us to 10 steps is, um, a written policy for supporting the staff who want to breastfeed on site or to pump while they're at work. So we kind of talked about that. Right. Um, Yeah. So that's, that's That's it. Yeah. And that's just a lot of ideas. Like I said, even if you don't, I would encourage um, people to look into going through to become actually recognized. But even if you don't, there's just lots of good um, information in there. Um, yeah. One thing too, I, I didn't mention earlier, breastfeeding or breast milk is reimbursable. Like if you participate um, in CICFP, it's reimbursable. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Wow. That's good to know. Well, and I think going back quickly, just one question, when you're talking about having resources available, I'm guessing that through the Department of Health, American Academy of Pediatrics, there's probably a lot of resources that can be accessed for free when you talk about having pamphlets available or different handouts about the resources that 
that providers could be able to track down in an easy process yes. and not have to, they don't have to develop things themselves. The recommendation would be to go through existing organizations that already Absolutely. have Absolutely. Yeah, don't reinvent the wheel. It's all out there. Centers for Disease Control, if you look at breastfeeding, has lots of great information. Okay. Um, American Academy of Pediatrics has a ton of good information. They also have a website called healthychildren.org, okay. I think yes. it's called. Yes. Um, yeah, and that's a ton of good information on there. And then, yeah, the Department of Health, for sure, whether it's Minnesota Department of Health or if you're in another state as well, has lots yeah. of good supportive information. And you can get lists of lactation consultants, too. Okay. Um, that specialize in helping, you know, with breastfeeding. That's great. Oh, Sarah, this has been just packed with information for folks. And I think you started the, the episode by talking about what our goal is as an early childhood educator is to really have an opportunity to help children grow and be healthy. And this is one way that we can truly support that family in that partnership to really help them understand the possibilities of the good benefits, understand how we can support them in care, and understand how we can help them sustain this practice so that their child can have a healthy, long childhood and life. So thanks yeah. for being with us once again. I look forward to talking with you always, Sarah, because you have so much great information. If you have any other questions on this topic, you can reach out to Minnesota Child Care Health Consultants, the Department of Health, as she said, Center for Disease Control, American Academy of Pediatrics, and other resources related to this or this podcast. You can um, find that on our website, inclusivechildcare.org. Thanks again, Sarah. We'll look forward to talking with you soon. Yeah, thanks, Priscilla. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. For more resources, visit us at inclusivechildcare.org.